Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. We'd like to wish you a very happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween, my favorite. It is your favorite. I'm happy to have it over because then that means we move on to birthday week. Yeah. So I get to move from Halloween to... Your 25th. It's going to be... It's going to be exciting. exciting. A little hard for me to turn 25, but... I just had an idea... For that week, it should be Charnel's picks, and I will do what you pick for Ooh, me. Special birthday picks. Wouldn't that be exciting? Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, we it's could a do gift that. to you. My birthday's on a Sunday, so it's it's Perfect. a release day. Charnel's birthday picks. Yes, I like it for murder cases. For murder, we're weird as fuck. Yes, we we are. know it. Yes, we are. <laughs> this week, we are bringing you move over, Miss Cleo. I love it. Because we're going to pay tribute to some psychics, psychics. and uh, mediums this week. And I've been spoiled this week because not only did I get a little vacay. You did a well-deserved vacay. But Charnel also is covering both of these. You just get to sit back and enjoy yourself this week. I am. I'm spoiled. Well, I did all the diving. Now, I, uh, I will just say this right up front. Um, even though I found these cases through when I was searching for, hey, cases that are solved by psychics or that involved mediums, things like that. I will be focusing on the victims and the actual case that happened with the victims and give you blurbs on the psychic involvement. So just so people aren't like, I don't want to listen because this is a bunch of hullabaloo. It really is two murder cases. Legit cases. Yeah, that I am bringing you. It just they happen to have a a snippet of involvement from and push during the investigative process to help solve it from a medium and a psychic. So I'm excited about these. And then can we also just take a moment to honor Miss Cleo? Does everybody remember her from back in the day? I do. I remember Miss Cleo. I always wanted to call. Like, oh, I, I want to see what you have to say to but, me. But we couldn't call back then because it was expensive. Oh, she was pricey. <laughs> she was. I bet she made a killing, though. Absolutely. With those commercials mm-hmm. and the accent. and It was like a whole corporation oh, of Miss Cleo. I wanted me some Miss Cleo, uh, but I couldn't. Yep. Um, also, we want to give a warm crime curious welcome to our intern, Jasmine. Welcome. Hi, Jasmine. Here's your shout out that I promised you. And uh, so she's going to help us with our social media presence. Yes. And also on a small personal update, everyone, I am fully recovered now from our horrific cases about eating people. (laughs) And I've officially made a full carnivore (laughs) recovery. Okay, I'm, I'm so back, happy to hear that. I'm back to eating meat. Thank We've you, Amber. We've through it. We, we have. processed. I had too soon to say processed. <laughs> Still a little triggering. Yeah, yeah Still same. a little triggering. Same. <laughs> but I'm, I'm also using soap again. So Leonardo, oh, I processed through her. And yes. yes, I had a fabulous steak tonight. Probably the best steak I've ever had. It was from Sam's Club. No, they do not sponsor this podcast. Yum. Maybe you should. Maybe. Because if. You know, get out there and get some Sam's Club steaks. I know I sound super classy right you now. You even know you text me about it. You're it like, this is the good. best steak ever. I was making sounds that my husband has never even heard before, <laughs> and I think he was taking notes. 
I love it. Fairly certain that's what was going on at the dinner table. Well, that's a sign of healing too, because neither one of us brought up anything to do with like, where did that steak come from? And those, so we've worked through the trauma. We have. have. So I just thought everyone should know full carnivorous recovery over here. Good. Back to my old Scorpio carnivore self. (laughs) Using soap. That's right. I smell good. My stomach is full again. Life is going That's excellent. well. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for a barbecue yet. Oh, God, no. But no. we'll it's get there. It's winter here in Michigan. I have time. So we, ha- we have healing I have time, time yet. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. But all right, today I'm going to tell you the tragic case of Julie Popovich. Do you know this case? Um, I don't think so. I'm just going to tell you straight up, she is freaking gorgeous. She was actually a part-time model. Oh. Yeah. So Julie was born May 22nd, 1985 in Reynoldsburg, Franklin County, Ohio. So we're not too far away from us. Did you Google her? she is beautiful. Isn't she gorgeous? It's always so much easier when they're ugly. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm kidding. (laughs) Why did they have to be beautiful? I was not expecting that. You I don't on, even know where it came from. Your just absolutely <laughs> shocked me. You could have stuck a finger up my butt and I would have been less surprised than I was right then when you just said that. This is how I felt with the anal fisher. Oh. <laughs> not, right, well, not the one I had, if you haven't listened before. That just sounded very compromising. I, I don't have one. The time that I... Throughout the word anal fisher. Yes. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Edit that out if I sound like a horrible person. No, that was funny. Wow. It uh, is not easier. I was it's totally not, kidding. Yeah, it's not true. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, she was. Isn't she's she gorgeous. gorgeous? Truly gorgeous. And she's was like a, a typical model. She is 5'10", some sources said 5'11", 104 pounds. So she, oh, she was like a fitness model. Very skinny. Okay. Oh, yeah. She had abs for days. Yeah. She was just beautiful. So she, her parents are Peggy and Tim White of Baltimore, Ohio, and Victor and Donna Popovich of Reynoldsburg. She had a sister, Christy Popovich, and she had some step-siblings, Courtney White, Mark White, Carol Harper, and Tim Schneider. Carol was a was white before. That sounded racist. <laughs> God. I, I really met- did. I was thinking, oh. <laughs> I met her last name was White. She Harper's her married name. We're off to a juicy wow. start tonight. We haven't recorded in nine days, and this is the shit that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, but yep. yeah. So her step, her stepsister Carol used to be white, as her last name is now Harper because she's married, and then Tim Schneider. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Thank wow. you for clarifying because yeah. I would have had questions. Oh, I know that. Uh, like she's not white anymore. Like, right. What's what going happened? On? Yes. Nope. Now, in 2005, when this case takes place, she was an aspiring model, brown hair, brown eyes. Like I said, she was hella fit. And she was an employee of Max and Irma's restaurant in Reynoldsburg. She worked as a model for the um, Wilhelma Modeling Agency in New York City. She had traveled to Europe, New York, and Taiwan. She was a student at the Ohio State University as a Michigan fan. I cringe a little at that. Just Just a little. She's from Ohio. I'm from Michigan. It is what it is, you know. She was a member of the St. Stephen of Denachi Siberian Orthodox Church. And I am sorry if I, it's Serbian. I said Siberian. And that's just because 
It is eight o'clock at night after a long day of work and investigating today, and I'm tired. You know, I bought my peepers are not peeping real well right now. You've gotten a lot of compliments on your pronunciations lately, so give yourself a break. It's and fine. accidentally say Siberian and when I yeah. meant Serbian. <laughs> yeah, totally let everyone down now that you've. Uh, I'm gonna try lifted it. them up so highly. I'm gonna try it again because I want to keep my good streak okay. going. She was a member of the Saint Stephen of Dechani Serbian Orthodox Church. Slayed it. Hope so. I, I mean, I don't know, but uh, I feel like you did. <laughs> she was a 2003 graduate of Pickerington Central High School. Okay. Yes. She had a lot going for her. Oh, lots of absolutely. aspirations, lots of involved in a lot of a lot of things yeah, involved. She did. With. What I'm going to tell you, everyone, is not pulled from a bunch of different news articles. These are, I got my hands on court records oh. and I went through them. And so the remainder of this info is going to be from the court records. I'm putting it together like a story, but I just wanted it's from everybody the court. to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's from the actual records. On August 11th, 2005, Julie was out with friends and coworkers celebrating a coworker's birthday. On that evening, she attended a party at a duplex that was shared by Nicholas Coleman and Mark. I'm sorry, Mark. Just in advance, that's a lot of letters that do not make sense to me and shouldn't go together. <laughs> For his last name. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to spell it and y'all just make your own inferences. Sure. S-K-R-Z-Y-D-L-A-K. Not even going to try it. No. There is a Z and a Y and there's there's the front of the alphabet and the back of the alphabet just all mixed together willy-nilly and I don't know how you would pronounce that. I bet it's beautiful. Oh. I bet it is. I'm sure it is. But I won't even attempt to butcher it. We're just going to call him Mark. Good old Mark. Mark S. Mark S. Not Marcus, <laughs> like how I just made it sound, but Mark, Mark S, S. period. Yes. Yes. And some other friends. Okay. How would you say I mean, seriously, scrizzled, 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 Yep. Just good old scrizzled dick. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so those Nicholas and Mark are who owned the duplex. They were having the party. Okay. okay. Julie's friend, Tiana Brooks, was with her that night at the party at the duplex. And the two of them left Mark and Nicholas's house, their duplex, between 1030 and 11 and continued their night at a bar called Lido's. We used to have a Lido bar. We did. Mm-hmm. I was too young to go there. But me too, but I've heard the stories. My husband that's older than me has told me plenty. Oh, did he visit? Oh, yes. Okay. Most definitely. And uh, I, I've heard some things. Hard pass. Hard pass on that one. Yeah. All of the people from our town right now are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lido's did require identification for admittance, and Julie didn't have her identification card. She's also 20, so she's underage. So she uses Tiana Brooks' identification card to get into the Lido. Okay. Now, Tiana had a few drinks while she was there. She saw Julie talking to a man named Adam Sale, S-A-L-E-H. Okay. Okay. Adam had also been at the duplex party earlier in the night. And between 1 and 1.30 a.m., Tiana saw Julie go out on the patio of the Lido to smoke a cigarette. And Tiana never saw Julie Popovich again after that. Tiana Brooks left the Lido about 2 a.m. That's when it closed. 
The next day, when Julie did not show for work, is when the alarm bells started to go off and she's reported missing. Tiana learned Julie didn't go to work the next day, and she actually saw Tiana's boyfriend, excuse me, Julie's boyfriend, Justin Rogers. And that's who she was dating at the time. And she saw him, Tiana saw him Sunday, August 12th. He was actually supposed to pick Julie up from the Lido bar because he was actually using her car that night. But he didn't because he was at another bar and it wasn't close to the Lido, to my understanding. And he stayed at that bar until 2.30 when it closed. So the Lido closed 30 minutes before the bar that Justin was at. Gotcha. So he actually didn't pick her up and she wasn't answering her cell phone. So he didn't know where she was at to even pick her up. Right. Okay. She did notice that Justin had a bandage on his hand and she inquired about it. And he's like, oh yeah, I hit a wall with his hand. Okay. When police then kind of start their investigation, which it was Columbus police detective Patrick Dorn and detective Michael McCann, they start working the case. Tiana did give them that that information of like, well, her boyfriend is Justin Rogers. He had a bandage on his hand. You know, she's letting them know that information. Well, she ends up seeing, Tiana ends up seeing Adam Sala a couple of days later. And she's like, hey, have you seen Julie? Do you remember, you know, that girl you were mm-hmm. talking to at the bar? Adam's like, no, I, I haven't seen her. He told Tiana that he left Lido's bar to take a friend home. And then no one was at the bar when he returned, so he just went home. That's what he tells Tiana. Okay. Yes. So detectives are are gathering their information. They're interviewing people. So she just kind of disappeared. She did, seemingly. And I apologize. My notes scrolled, and I am trying to regain their Uh, consciousness here. Yep, that happens to me all the time. So Detective McCann interviewed Rogers. Justin Rogers, her boyfriend, and did observe his bandaged hand. Now, he knew that Justin Rogers was dating Julie, and he had learned through the investigation that they did have, like, a volatile relationship at times, all right? But he also uh, ascertained the information that he was driving Julie's car at the time of her disappearance. But the thing is, is that they were able to confirm that he was at a different bar until it closed at 230 which is well after people left the Lido when the Lido closed. And as we get further into this, you will see that the last time that Julie was seen is well before 2.30 when he left the bar that closed. Okay. Gotcha. So what I'm saying is at the time of her disappearance, he has an alibi for where he was okay. and who he was you know, with and couldn't have been with her. But I'm just throwing that out there because... It seems a little unusual. He's got this bandage. And the person who ends up on trial for this has never admitted to the murder and still claims his innocence. But I'm going to take you through it. All right. Another friend that police speak to that was with Julie that night is Lila Kimes. So Lila arrived at the Lido between midnight and 1230. She said she actually only drank one alcoholic drink at the bar And Julie was there well before her, and she did appear intoxicated by this time. So by, you know, midnight, 1230, Julie's intoxicated, and Lila can see that. Lila was introduced to Adam Sala by Julie. She did not know him prior to that night. And it was noted that Adam was wearing a shell necklace. You know, Lila noticed that. 
I would take note as that of that as well. Probably for, for would sure. make fun of him. It, absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> what year was this case? 2005. Oh, so the shells were... I know. They were popular. And my husband's a bit of a hoarder. I bet he still has his 17 variations that he used to wear hanging upstairs. But <laughs> we should ask him if he still has a shell necklace. This shell necklace is an important detail because Lila recognizes this necklace later in court to identify for the prosecution... Who Julie was seen leaving the Lido bar with that night. Okay. okay. Now, Lila said that Adam and Julie talked together, quote, pretty much the whole night. They danced. There was some a recollection of them kissing. Lila also saw Julie dance on the bar. She was coyote uglying it up oh, in there. For sure. So it sounds like Julie was having one heck of a She good was time. letting her hair down, for sure. Yeah. So much so, and in style, this would happen to me if I ever dare you know, tackle a bar while intoxicated and try to shake my ass on it. She fell. Oh, that, oh, that would be my fate. Of course. But she did appear uninjured. So, you know, Lila's like, yeah, she was dancing on the bar. She fell. She was not injured. Yep, absolutely. Getting back up. Laughed it off. Yep, she got right, sprang right back up. Just fine. Now, Lila said that she saw Adam and Julie leave the bar. She said that Julie, quote, looked very intoxicated when she left. She was kind of slouched over Adam's shoulder, walking out the door, because she couldn't really walk very well by herself, end quote. Lila thought that Julie and Adam were going outside to smoke, but Lila did not see Julie again. And Julie was thought to have left shortly just before Lila did. Okay. Okay. And Lila left the bar around. There, she really was unsure. Um, at first she said it was possibly 145, but later she's like, uh, could have been 1 a.m. Some time passes and there. Oh, I would struggle to remember exactly. Yeah. No, I couldn't tell you what I wore yesterday. For sure. The only thing I can tell you that I've ate today was that steak because it was orgasmic Divine. in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Oreos. Oh, yeah, the Oreos too. Those are delicious. Because you never forget an Oreo. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Especially those mega stuff. I can't mm. believe I just said orgasmic in my mouth, by the way. That was a poor choice of words, and I apologize for who I am. <laughs> that meat in my yeah, mouth. Yeah, literally, that's exactly what I just said to <laughs> our lovely listeners' ear holes. I hope someone doesn't, like, you know, say they have to turn the volume down for a minute, and then they, <laughs> they turn it back up to that. Just in time to hear you say that. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. They're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> I thought this was a crime podcast. <laughs> Oh, it gets a little saucy, too. Oh, sorry, oh, dear sorry Lord. people. Yeah, I do apologize for that, but that steak was so good. You're making me, like, jealous. I offered. You did. You were already I shoveling stuffing, food in your face. I was stuffing just chicken and quinoa. <laughs> God. Say I don't no wanna, more. I don't want to sound too fancy because it was frozen, so it's not like I was like, mm, quinoa. No. But, and that's what I had. <laughs> no. Okay, so now that you know what we've had for dinner. Yeah, so Lila also knew that Justin Rogers was Julie's boyfriend and that he was at another bar until it closed until until it uh, until it closed until 2.30 a.m. I don't know why I keep adding the word until in there. I am so sorry. But Lila is like, hey, I know Justin Rogers and I also know that he was at the other bar until 2.30 a.m. I don't have further information on how she knows that. I am gotcha. not sure. But she is a person that they were able to use to 
collaborate that, yeah, I know he, he was not at the Lido mm-hmm. and that he was at this other bar. So he does have a solid alibi. Yeah, there at were this people point. that he was with. Gotcha. Yeah, that were like, yeah, we left at 2.30, you know. So police, police, police also interviewed a guy named Justin Webb who dated Lila Kimes and socialized with the group at the Lido's bar that night. And what he said is that he didn't drink at all because he was the designated driver for Lila. Two Justins. Got Two it. Two Justins. So we'll just call him Webb okay. to keep it sim- more simple. So, so he is the designated driver for Lila. So he's like, yeah, I was not drinking. He, they, he, they arrived, he said, Webb said that he arrived at the Lido bar between midnight and 1230. He saw Julie, who mostly talked to Adam at the bar. He confirmed and remembered the shell necklace. Webb had not seen Adam before, just like Lila. They were introduced to him that night. And he actually wasn't even formally introduced to him. Like Julie introduced Lila to Adam, but Justin was not, Justin Webb was not introduced to him. He's just like, yeah, I know he was there. You know, I saw him. He said that Julie danced on the bar. She fell into some boxes or a trash can. Oh, that my the trash girl. can for sure. My girl That's getting back up yep. after falling into the trash can. <laughs> yep. He did not appear, or he did, she did not appear injured. And she actually resumed dancing. Absolutely. Because what else do I you do? This. When you fall into a trash can, you get right back up. And you try again. You dance and you act like you meant to do that. And Absolutely. that was just one of your moves. <laughs> yeah. Like it was part of my grand finale. Yes, that's how I own it. Mm -hmm. I call it the bar hopping trash can dance. You know, I have managed to fall upstairs. Of course. Like going upstairs Mm -hmm. and falling. And I have many accidents. So I admire that she was like, I'm getting back up. I got this. I'm going to just own it. Try again. Yep. Justin Webb said that he saw Adam and Julie leave Lido's bar between 1.15 and 2 a.m. So that's a 45 minute, you know, 1.15, 2 a.m., He's like, I'm unsure of the exact time. But it coincides with Lila being like, yeah, I Lila was the drunk one, or was drinking, remember. Mm-hmm. Justin is the DD. So Kudos Lila, to them for having, you know, a DD. Yeah, that's what know. I was thinking too when I was writing this. And remember, Lila was like, originally she's like, oh, I think it was 145. Then she's like, eh, it could have been between 1245 and 1 a.m. She's not paying attention to the time because she's not the DD. She's drunk. So Justin's like, eh, we left sometime between 115 and 2. So that is still the last time Julie had been seen. Uh, Justin Webb said, yeah, Julie was pretty, quote, pretty intoxicated and was leaning over Adam as she walked her out the door. End quote. And Justin Webb never saw Julie Popovich again. So, so that Adam was, two, was walking her out the door. Yep. And that's two people that saw this. Gotcha. That saw her being extremely intoxicated. Kind of describing on him. her. Yep. Slumped over him out the door before 2 a.m. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So two people saw this. Yep. I will note that Justin Webb did receive a reward from Crime Stoppers for leaving a, a, a tip um, about her death to help point oh. out Adam Sela. Okay. All right. He did like, um, I remember them, them leaving together. So I will point that out as well. We like to give all the facts here. We do. Um, now remember how I said that Julie had to use Tiana's identification to get her into the bar and the drinks cause she was underage. Well, a man named Byron Hannah found Tiana Brooks identification card near a guardrail by some rocks on the east side 
of a bridge on Smothers Road on either August 15th or 16th in 2005. He couldn't remember the exact date, but it was Julie went missing early morning of August 12th, late night. Well, I'm going to say they saw her at 1 a.m., so early morning, August 12th anyway, and that's when she was reported missing. So this is August 15th. Tiana's identification card is found on Smothers Road, kind of by a bridge on some rocks, okay? And he just had his girlfriend, I mean, her address is right on that, like, hey, we found your ID. So he just had his girlfriend mail it back to Tiana Brooks. Columbus Police Detective Patrick Dorn interviews Adam on August 25th, 2005, for the first time. The recorded interview was <clears throat> the recorded interview was actually shown to what later becomes the jury in during the jury trial. Okay, so they were able to see that during the interview, Adam said, at the time of Julie's disappearance, Adam had been to a party at the duplex that Coleman and <laughs> Mark S. <laughs> shared. Oh, Mark S. Making an appearance again. Yes, we are not attempting that last name still, and he had been to Lido's bar. Adam admitted that he spent time with Julie at the party and at Lido's. He recalled that Julie was drunk at Lido's. She told him that she fell off the bar and she complained about some pain in her face. He also recalled that Julie was talking to another man at Lido's. He said this was the last time that he saw Julie Popovich. Adam said that he left the Lido bar between 1 and 2 a.m. That's a whole hour difference. Sure. (laughs) So, okay. To help, the reason that he left is because he was going to go help his mother close a nearby carryout store that she operated. He's going to go help Mama. Okay, good for him. During the time of the interview, Adam was wearing a shell necklace. And so the police asked him about it, and he's like, yeah, I always wear this. When the interview was over, Adam agreed to provide fingerprints and an oral swab, and he also agreed to leave his car, a Crown Victoria, for examination. So that is his side of things. Very cut and dry. He is initially interviewed by, by police, and he said that he left between 1 and 2, went to help his mom close a nearby store, then he went home. Bada bing, bada bam, bada boom. Right? <laughs> Forget about it. For, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, at this point in time on August 25th, it had been 13 days since Julie's disappearance. Although it is mentioned nowhere in any of the legal paperwork, According to a Detroit, Michigan medium, here it comes, Christy Robinette. She is known as the Motown medium. I had no idea that in Detroit we had a Motown medium. A Motown medium. She's fairly well known. She's been on investigation discovery. She's wrote many books. She's worked with a lot of police departments during investigations. So she's legit. Yes. Yes. Now, something that you and I were talking about before this episode is that it's very hard to find information about like actual real cases where psychics helped solve or mediums helped solve cases because oftentimes it's not noted in the legal paperwork because it's not seen as expert testimony. There have been some psychics who have testified in court. Okay, but quite often police departments won't even really verify that they're working with psychics. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, and it's just considered part of an investigation tactic. Okay, so in this particular situation, I want to point out that nowhere in the legal paperwork is the aspect that I'm about to tell you substantiated through the legal paperwork, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't a part of the investigation because not all investigation tactics are revealed 
during legal proceedings. But if you look up Christy Robinette and the name Julie Popovich, the two go together quite frequently. Okay. You will see lots of different articles on how Christy helped aid the investigation. Okay. It's just not mentioned in the court information. It is not. No, not in the investigation information. So I'm gonna we, have to look her up. We're later. just gonna have to draw some conclusions here, but I'm gonna I'll piece some things together for you. So what Christy Robinette claims is that the spirit of Julie Popovich appeared to her and told her that she had been murdered and she wanted Christy to draw a map to help locate her body. So Christy draws a map where she's as instructed. And she described that um, Julie was like pushing her way through all the other ghosts that, or spirits, excuse me, that wanted to speak to her. Like it was urgent. She oh. was like, I, uh, I'm going to get into contact with you and you are going to, you know, you have to draw this map to locate my body and help me. On September 1st, 2005, county workers mowing near a bean field close to Hoosier, Hoover Reservoir found the body of Julie Popovich about three weeks after her disappearance. The body of Julie Popovich was found right where the map that Christy Robinette had drawn was at, had, had, had indicated. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she, now was this from the map? This is according to to news sources and Robinette herself. Dental records and DNA evidence were used to identify her decomposing body. Did she take that to the police? Like, this is what where it's She at. did share it with police. Did she give the police that map and they took note of it? And then it was discovered later once she was found of, oh, wait, that's, that's exactly where Christy told us to look. Gotcha. So you're not sure if they actually used it I, as a guide or if they were like, okay, we'll take this. Correct. We're going to do our thing. But. Correct. I, but I do know from Robinette's speaking to the public, that, to the media that she's done, she did share that map with investigators. So investigators had had that map with her statement that this is from Julie, this is where you will find her body. Gotcha. So I am unsure and I don't want to claim to know that if they had it and just hadn't extensively searched that area and and her body was found before they could and then they were like oh holy shit this is the same place that christy robinson said her body would be so that that is the fact that i am unsure of but i do know that christy robinson claims that she aided in finding julie popovich's body so there's there it is i'm gonna be looking christy up later you know, i'll tell you a little bit about her at the end okay but, but that's i just wanted to you know make note you know we like to Keep it very transparent here. We do. We do. And, you know, and I do understand them not often citing mediums or psychics for the skepticism that it can cause, especially from a media backlash. So so let's get to, to Julie's body, shall we? On September 1st, when her, she was found, it, it was actually noted that when her remains were found, they were actually skeletal remains. They were found behind a shed in a field on Smothers Road in Franklin County, Ohio, near the Hoover Reservoir. She was found in surrounding grass that was 8 to 10 inches high. Her body could not be seen from the road. And trigger alert to just how some trauma and how, how she was found. Um, Julie's legs were spread apart. Her arms were extended above her head. The skirt that she had on um, was backwards and above her waist. And her underwear had been torn. Remember that I said that Tiana Brooks' identification card was found on Smothers Road by a bridge. 
Now Julie's body has been found in a field not far from there at all. Gotcha. It was okay. found, this field was on Smothers Road. Okay. Now, the remains were so badly decomposed due to the swamp condi- conditions, and it's summer, so we have warm swampy conditions, that a cause of death could not be explicitly determined, but the state in which the body was found, arms above the head, legs spread apart, skirt backwards and lifted above her hips, and her underwear torn, it indicated foul play and her death was ruled as a homicide. The autopsy report showed an estimated death to have taken place between August 8th and August 14th. But she was last, which coincides with when she was last seen, Yeah, the morning of August 12th. So now that her body had been found, found Adam was interviewed again, and this time they got a warrant, warrant to search his home. The original search of his Crown Victorian when he agreed to the mouth swabs and whatnot yielded no incriminating evidence, and the search of his home did not yield any incriminating evidence either. And in the warrant to search his home also included another search of his car, which they they still didn't find anything, but this time they installed a GPS tracker on it. And what that tracker did was help them see that he has a strong affinity for driving really fast. And when I say really fast, I mean constant speeds of over 100 miles an oh. hour. Now, this is important. Why? It's important. I, he was into racing. Okay. Yeah. So he loved the thrill of the This is speed. 2005. He thinks he's Vin Diesel oh, and Paul Walker. For sure. In Fast and Furious. I just saw that Vin Diesel walked Paul Walker's daughter. Oh, God, daughter. I saw that too. Emotional, amazing. yes. Yep, down the aisle. If nobody, if if you haven't heard, yes. Yep. Sorry, yep. squirrel. <laughs> and Isn't that Diesel so sweet? And Paul Walker were best friends. They yeah, were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, that that was so the time. That was of the time. Fast and Furious. Sure even was. though we're on like Fast and Furious, probably twenty two. Yeah. <laughs> in two thousand, still going. Sure is. So this in this piece is important because. Later during interviews, some of his own friends say that on the night of August 11th, flash, morning of August 12th, they saw Adam speeding down the road and that they know him to be a frequent driver. And I want to note that here because police testify that while searching the car, they took note that his car was immaculately cleaned and looked as though he was the kind of guy that took meticulous care of his cars and his friends confirmed this as well. So I'm mentioning all this because it's going to come up later that there's no way when they look into cell phone evidence, there's no way his cell phone could have pinged off from some of the towers that it did. But you'll see that the people that were doing that study were driving at normal speeds. Like it's absolutely possible given how Adam preferred to drive. Okay. So if he was driving as he preferred. Typically does. Yep. That could Spark a ping like in some of these areas Mm -hmm. is what you're saying. We'll get to it. But yeah, but I just want you to have that in the back of your mind right now. I'm going to throw it out there though. And I don't know what the outcome is, but I don't trust a cell phone ping. I've heard too many stories of the like false pings, false. You might about this one. Okay. You might. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take what you're giving me right now. I don't, I'm usually cautious. There's a couple of things that I'm usually, that I'm usually cautious about that in this case, I'm like, okay, that tracks. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll. I'm see. gonna take a bite of what you're serving. Okay. Yep. Just mull on it yep. for a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now Adam does find the GPS eventually, and he removes it. 
that the, the police put on his oh, car. Oh, okay. Suspish. Mm-hmm. Also important for later. But they had already documented his affinity for speeding, and actually SWAT officers had already followed him and confirmed his speeding as well. Like a regular, everyday so occurrence. So this was all the time. Yes. Yes. So it would be unreasonable to say that on the night of the murders that he was doing he was, the speed limit yeah. because he did not ever. Like SWAT officers testified that like, yeah, we followed him. We were going over 100 miles an hour on a regular day, on a Tuesday. <laughs> it's a Tuesday afternoon. Right. So during the early morning hours of August 12th, 2005, at 2.26 a.m., Adam checked his phone voicemail. All right. Because now they have warrants for his for phone records the la- the call lasted up to a minute and registered off from a cell phone tower at a high school on route 161 west which is a route towards smothers road where julie's body is found okay, okay. so he's checking his voicemail at 226 at 342 so an hour and 20 minutes later adam received a call from his mother that call lasted up to 3 minutes and registered registered off a cell phone tower at 901 Sunbury Road, which is near where Julie's body was found. Okay. Interesting. Then 3.58 a.m., so we go from 3.42 to 3.58, he receives another call from his mother. That call lasted up to one minute and registered off of a cell phone tower at 364 West Lane Avenue at Ohio State University. And Lane Avenue is the cell phone tower that is closest to Adam's apartment. Okay. Okay. Noted. Now. These kids need to go to bed earlier. I'm telling you. It's exhausting me hearing about them staying up all night. 3.58 a.m. That's when I get up to pee. Exactly. And I have completed two REM cycles by then. (laughs) For sure. And then I'm like, I can get another couple hours of sleep. Yes. Yep. Going to snuggle back in. His mom was probably calling to say, get your but home right. and to sleep. Yes. I think we'll find out what she was really calling oh. in that point in time about. But okay. Maybe. Now, remember, he left the Lido between one and two. And he went to help his mom, and then he went home. That is what he told investigators. So, honey. 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 <laughs> honey. Why? If you left at two when the Lido shut down. Mm-hmm. And you went to help your mom briefly close down her store, and then you went home. Why for then, child, is your cell phone pinging actively at 3.42 and 3.58 a.m. when you're supposed to be snuggled in with your blankies? Oh, honey, child. Yes, right? Because that's what he originally tells investigators. So... I'm I'm smelling a lie, Charnel. I'm smelling a lie. Take a deep whiff, Amber. It doesn't smell good. It does not. Not as good as that steak smells. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Enough about my meat. He is no Sam's Club steak. Okay, absolutely not. Very few things are Hmm. to me at this point. I'm gonna have to go. I'm getting a membership, and I'm getting some of the steak. You know what? Save your money. I'll just buy you some. I go there all the time. I have a litter of children. I miss the samples. Do they still have those or COVID? COVID. Uh, Ruined everything. Ruining my dreams. It did not ruin that steak. I bet it jacked the prices up of it, but I don't care. I'm willing to pay them. Take me with you next time. (laughs) I I love Sam's Club. I'll smuggle you in with my membership. (laughs) How exciting. Um, It it pays to know people in high places, Amber. Look at me moving on up in the world. (laughs) 
So now we have cell phone records and we have witnesses saying that they saw Julie leave with shell necklace. Dude wearing a shell necklace. Shell necklace guy. Left with Adam. Yeah, slumped over her shoulder. So Adam's arrested at this point in time because they're like, your cell phone tells a different story than your mouth. Sure. He's arrested on aggravated murder based on kidnapping, aggravated, aggravated, aggravated murder based on attempted rape, aggravated murder based on prior calculation and design, kidnapping, attempted rape, tampering with evidence. Now the charges, this, so Adam pleads not guilty. He wants a jury trial. He wants to go in front of him, his peers. Oh, wow. And so they do. Now the trial gets interesting because the prosecution has everyone that I have already told you about testify to the info that I've already told you about. Okay, because remember I said I got all this info from court records, right? Yeah. So everything that you have in your brains right now, everyone, that is from people that have testified for the prosecution. I'm going to tell you about a little bit more. They also have a man who literally designed and maintains all the cell phone towers that were pinged on Adam's phone. So He's they actually have the master of the, the towers. I, I designed these towers and I am the overlord of them. I, I do picture him as like a lord, yes. like in this layer. He is above us all. Yes. yes. Like like lightning bolts, like all yes. around him. That's what I gathered as well. Thank, okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yes. Crazy white hair. I mean, overlord. Yes. Right? He's a lord yes. of the cell phone towers. I mean, who am I to question him? He designed I wouldn't. Them. So. so, and they also had a T-Mobile telecommunications tele- tele- expert also testify so they literally explain in the ter- in the trial how tower pings work and how at the time of the early morning, none of the towers would have rerouted calls to another tower due to heavy call volume. Because that can happen, which I think is what you were trying to say earlier of like, I don't trust tower pings yes. because I've heard that they can get wonky. That, that you're being right. said, I didn't know that we had a freaking lord of the towers. An overlord, testify. if you will. Like, is- who am I to question that? Yes. And he had a very interesting name that I'm choosing to leave out. His name was complicated enough that I was like, you're just going to sound really unintelligent. Just call him the overlord instead. The, you know what? That <laughs> works for me because automatically I'm like, dang, I'm stepping back from this one. Right, right. What they do is they explain cell phone towers and they're like, listen, his calls were not being rerouted because there wasn't a heavy call volume. That's what what makes cell phone towers reroute things. So he was within. Yes. They know he would have been within a two mile radius of all these towers at these given moments that it was like middle of the night. The air is clear and these are legit pings. Right. Yep. Hmm. Not a lot of other activity. And they produced spreadsheets of their activity to prove their expert testimony. Okay. Oh, if you have spreadsheets, you are like legit. I too just, too I, legit to quit. For sure. I'm not going up against you. No way. So they've got the one on 161 West, the tower by where her body was found and by her, by his apart, Adam's apartment. Remember now police testified that they tried different routes from the Lido to the location where Julie's body was to Adam's apartment. And the times especially given the fast driving habits, were feasible and do line up. And they were able to prove that during the trial as well. (laughs) This is kind of funny. The defense has this guy named Ben Levitan. He testified as their communications expert. But there was like a problem here. They're trying to get him deemed an expert on the stand when he didn't even go to school for anything 
to do with telecommunications. He had basically worked at a phone company for 25 years. And so he's trying to say he's an expert. I mean, he's paid his dues. The prosecution is like, okay, you don't have a degree in this. And he literally goes, quote, I am working on it. We are all a student of something. I love this. (laughs) We are all a student of something. I love this so much. Yes, we are. How poetic of you, sir. What a great answer. So he's trying to testify about how the tower pings could be inaccurate and it doesn't go well. Okay. I love how this is all they've got. They're like, it's it's Ben. It's Ben Ben Leviton. Ben Leviton, man, he's He's worked 25 25 years. years. He's answered customer service calls for AT&T, man. Actually, I don't know what communications place he worked for. It wasn't stated, but it's funny to me. Oh, my goodness. But what's worse is that he gets really, really defensive and being inappropriate. And then later in an appeal, Adam's attorneys try to appeal that the prosecutor was being inappropriate because their their witness felt personally attacked. But the reason he's feeling personally attacked is because he's being discredited on the stand and he knows it and he doesn't like it. But what's worse is that we discover, see, Adam has a, or Adam, excuse me, Ben has a website where he likes to promote how he has been able to be successful in testifying for people to get them off from their, te- their you know, oh. in disputing telecommunications things in court. So the prosecution is like, yeah, we're on to you. This is your whole gimmick. You want to use this case as another, uh, you know, testimony on your website. And he literally is like, well, I haven't looked at my website in a while. Okay, cool, man. Okay, Ben. Yeah. The prosecution is also, and this is all happening during cross-examination, prosecution is like, so are you familiar with Columbus? Nope. Turns out he's not. He was even trying to say that one of the towers didn't even exist at the time of Julie's disappearance, with the, which they then call back to the stand the overlord. The, who the person that designed that, it. Designed them is like, um, yep. It's like, yeah. They exi- it existed. It was literally there. Here's the paperwork. I have been watching it and maintaining it since it was built. It's my baby from birth. Here it is. I conceived this tower. Yes. And so it it just, Ben, it just didn't go well for him on the stand. It sounds like they were really grasping and they're like, Ben, with 25 years, customer service is all we got. Yeah. That's all we, best I can do. That's all we have. And the prosecution literally ends up being like, you're posing as an expert. Okay. This isn't legitimate. And he was asked several times by the court to stop interjecting editorial comments while he was on the stand. <laughs> I just that envision tells you anything. the guy from the Pawn Star show, like, best I can do is Ben Leviton for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all yes. that's all we've got. Yes. With someone behind him interjecting, like, little, you know, funny things. Well, we're all a student of something. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm a student of life, okay? Yeah. Oh, so it doesn't sound like this went well for them. That that part of it did not. No, no, no. And later, like I said, in one of the appeals, they try to claim that you know the prosecution was getting too aggressive with him. Ben wasn't testifying well, and he was being defensive as well. And they were, during these, what he felt was a personal attack, 
was really just him discrediting him as a witness because he didn't know. He then fully admitted he wasn't even familiar with Columbus. If you're not familiar with Columbus, then how can you tell me that Adam's cell phone couldn't have possibly pinged off from this tower by Julie's body? Right. You have no idea what you're talking about. Right. So Julie's phone was never recovered, but Detective McCann did testify that her record showed the last phone call from her phone was made at 1 a.m. on August 12th. This is even before she was seen leaving the bar. Okay. All right. Now, during the trial, Adam's attorney tried to show McCann, no, Adam's, the defense, Adam's attorney, tried to show McCann phone records that were supposedly indicating that her phone had more than 20 calls made on the evening of August 12th. McCann's like, no, I reviewed the records. That's not true. Well, the prosecution objected because these records were not submitted into evidence. They're like, why are you trying to get my witness to testify to something, a record that A, was not a... It didn't submit. It wasn't submitted correctly, which the court interrupted the defense many times. They tried this numerous times to submit evidence that was not submitted prior to. And the court's like, you know that we do this weeks, if not months ahead of time on a jury trial. You can't just randomly bring Bring things. Nope. But also all the phone records had to be authenticated by the telecommunications experts to prove that they are, in fact, a real phone record. Sure. These were not authenticated. This is so they had to go. Like, where back, did you get these records? Right. They had to go for these back and forth, which on one of Adam's other appeals, he did try to claim ineffective counsel because of all, you know, all this record uh-huh. stuff. And the Court of Appeals was like, um, no, these are, hey, they're barred, in, you know, lawyers for the state of Ohio. You know, I admire Denied. their shady efforts more. Like, I give them a little credit. They want to see if it's going to go through. Yeah, they're like, we're going to be shady. Possibly gets gives him a leg to stand on for an appeal. They should but... have went with the wheelchair. Like, okay, we're struggling. <laughs> yes. Please Where are our fall down. McDonald's. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but they, tr- they made a shady, slimy effort. They did. They did. It did not work. Um, so, like I said, they had to authenticate. Those phone records, they weren't authenticated. It didn't go anywhere. Gotcha. It really does sound like they just randomly like. And let's point this out, guys. If there were legitimate phone records that showed that she was alive on August 12th, the defense would have authenticated those records. For sure. And that would have been probably their first thing to submit into evidence for their client. Absolutely. Like, that's a huge piece of evidence. So to just try to slimingly sneak Put it in there. some fake records like, in there. Just like, to look see, at this. Just to see if the police officer would testify to it and if they wouldn't catch it on objection. And the, Can't but blame the police for trying. Like, no, I legitimately reviewed the records. Her last phone call was the morning at 1 a.m. So... <laughs> Now, the, now it gets even more interesting, and I know you're all going to scream at me, whether you're on the toilet, in your car, <laughs> where uh, no judgment Someone where you're listening from. Someone out there is on from. the toilet. Absolutely. Happy pooping. <laughs> no, no judgment here. But w- wipe softly and safely. Yes, thoroughly as well, and then wash your hands. Yes, please. With COVID, we just we need a good hand wash. Even without COVID, poop particles, man. Yeah, just feces wash. in the nails. <laughs> just wash. We're those going hands. to a dark place. We are. So the prosecution is going to bring in jailhouse informants. I know. I know. I know. I see your face. I see it. I see it. But with the telecommunications, I asked you just to hold it in your mouth, taste it for a minute. I have been sampling what you're giving me. So Yes. Now, and I, I'm fully aware of how you're all looking at me right now. I'm putting it in my, in my mouth right now, but I'm not swallowing, okay? <laughs> I get it. That's respectable. 
That's respect. You're not tapping I, out. Nope. Not but, yet. <laughs> but I'm not fully going to digest this. I, I understand. But give it a minute because you, you might change your mind. Okay. I will throw this out there at the beginning too. Every one of these people I'm about to tell you about did admit, yes, I got a lesser sentence from the prosecution for my honest testimony. And they did say under oath, this is my honest testimony. Now, I'm not going to say that their info didn't, it didn't provide information that they didn't necessarily already know. But what it did was it filled in some gaps that we wouldn't know because Adam is not going to tell someone. Gotcha. So, because we already have the cell phone records and we already have the fact that he was the last person to be with her. He left with Julie from the Lido bar. All right, we've we've got that. We just don't know what happened next. And so there are jailhouse informants who didn't have contact with each other. And their stories are far too similar to be coincidence. Okay. So Brian Banks shared a cell with Adam while Adam was awaiting his trial. So not a lot of information has come out about the investigation because there's a jury trial. Police are keeping things close to their chest. So while he is awaiting, all of these informants are, while he's incarcerated, awaiting the trial. And he said that Adam tells Brian Banks, I met a girl named Julie at a club. She was drunk. We went outside to get some fresh air. They went to Adam's Crown Victoria, where she resisted his sexual advances. He said that he put his hands on her throat and tried to make her hyperventilate and pass out so that he could rape her. Oh, He pressed too hard and choked her. She was dead. He put her in his car trunk and went home. The next day, he, quote, took her body to the water. Adam told Banks that he dumped Julie's body in the water so that it would decompose and leave no evidence. Adam also said that he cleaned his car trunk. Adam discovered that police put a GPS on his car. He removed it. Brian Banks also said that He did not obtain any of this information from Julie's case or from the television news, which is proven by the fact that he knew about the GPS. No one else knew about that GPS. So that wasn't put out for the public? No, absolutely not. That's an investigation tactic that they're not revealing. Yeah. Okay. So the fact that Brian, the, the reason that they were willing to make him a deal is because the information that he had tracked. How'd you know about the GPS? If Adam didn't tell you about it, he had to have told you about that, right? Right. So what I'm meaning is they already knew that Adam met a girl named Julie at the club, that she was drunk, that they walked outside together to get some fresh air. What they didn't know is, how did you kill her? So there's there's Brian Banks' version. Now, there's also Kendall Mardas at one point in time shared a cell with Adam as well. Mardas testified that Adam revealed this to him. They left the bar. He left the bar with Julie, and he fingered Julie's vagina. Okay. He said that he um, threw on the side of the road the identification card that Julie had. The information about the card being found on the side of the road by where her body was recovered was not public knowledge. So this is what makes Kendall Marta's a credible source. Can I ask why he... Did he throw it before killing her, or did he... Like afterwards. We do not know. Gotcha. The chain of events. But it was very close to her body. It was on the bridge on the road that her body, she was found in a field, but it's the same road. Mm -hmm. And the bridge was not far from her because she was thrown in the water. 
So if you can picture like this field, you know, behind a shed and there's a bridge and water, it's all, gotcha. all you know, close together. So yeah, the public didn't know that information. Because I mean, really, the identification card was found like the 15th or 16th of August and mailed back. And then that's, Tiana contacted police to say, I got the my identification card back. So they contacted the person that sent it back mm-hmm. and was like, How, where did you find this? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an interesting piece. Kendall Martis says... Adam told him that he was driving an Infinity car at the time of Julie's disappearance and that he was glad that Julie's body had decomposed and that he believed that the body had no evidentiary value. Adam was concerned about his phone registering off from a cell phone tower in the area where her body was found and he was concerned that the data that might be retrieved from his cell phone too. Adam did not specifically admit to killing Julie Popovich to Kendall Martis. But when Martis asked Adam if he had killed Julie, Adam said, quote, we jihad know how to get the job done, end quote. Interesting. And he made a chopping motion and laughed, which makes me feel icky. I feel some sort of way right now and I don't like it. Moving on. Adam also asked Martis to find a woman to set up a false alibi to testify that she was with him during the time of Julie's disappearance. Adam told Martis that his mother was providing a false alibi to place him at home in bed when Julie died. But he was concerned that his mom might actually back out on that and he would like to just keep his mother out of it. So he was hoping that Martis would help him find a woman willing to say that they were together. He also discussed paying Martis to harm witnesses. Like, I will pay your bond to get you out of here. And then you go and harm witnesses for the prosecutor. Oh my gosh, this, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, so so that is the, the plan, okay? So Martis is like, this, hey, this is what happened. And he testified that he did not obtain the information, you know, from the television or news as well. And he couldn't have in terms of um, the identification card. Because they didn't disclose that. No, no, they did not. And they also weren't disclosing telephone towers. None of that information is, those are all investigative tactics that are, they're not being revealed. And he's, like you said, it it fills in the gap, it fills in some gaps for us. Right, right, exactly. Inmate Michael Leavesy testified to overhearing this conversation between Adam and Martis. So he's like, Adam wasn't telling me, but I can confirm what Martis is telling you because I overheard it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So all of that, everything that I just told you, touching her vagina, wanting her body to be decomposed, worried about the identification card being found, having Martis take care of some witnesses, all of that stuff, having his mom and friends lying for him. So then they have inmate Damien with Weatherspoon testify. Um, Weatherspoon said that he was uh, that Adam told him he's worried about his case, though he was innocent because he had been at a bar with the victim and, quote, just my luck, I was in the same area where her body was found, end quote. Adam also told Weatherspoon that his cell phone registered off from a tower in the area where Julie's body was found. Adam discussed the police investigation of his car, and Adam bragged, quote, about how the investigator was stupid because that wasn't even the car that he was driving that night. So the Crown Victoria, he's claiming, I wasn't even driving the Crown Victoria that night. I was driving the Infinity. Interesting. Adam gave Weatherspoon notes revealing his plan to offer the false alibi that he described to Martis. Like, here, here's what you need to, here's your alibi, you know, what the alibi is. 
Adam gave Weatherspoon notes that revealed threats to people aiding the prosecution. So he's like writing this down and giving it to people. Inmate Melvin Darman testified that he was talking to Adam about Julie's disappearance. Adam told him, told um, Damron, that Julie was, quote, getting stupid, and so he escorted her down some steps and then out, and then that's the end of it. Damron said that he did not want to hear any more because he had a daughter. He's like, don't tell me anymore, you know. But before Damron was released from jail, Adam asked Damron to call a particular phone number and leave an anonymous tip that described an individual that was not Adam seen with Julie Popovich near Hoover Reservoir on the date of her disappearance. So he's like, hey, do me a solid. Call into the hotline and say that you saw this man with this description with Julie Popovich near Hoover Reservoir on the date, on the morning of her disappearance. Okay. Mm. Adam gave Dameron a note with the details about the individual with whom Dameron was to direct suspicion. Here's the shitter of it all. It was later established at trial that the individual matched the description of Chris Klein, one of Adam's own friends and who testifies on his behalf later. Oh, you're so... <laughs> you don't say. Like, why couldn't he fall in a reservoir, right? man? Come on. Is it oh okay that I want him to be balls deep in an alligator for crying out loud? I think like, the feeling is normal. What the hell? Balls deep. <laughs> like, Dameron, so Dameron gave the note to his attorney, and his attorney contacted the police. He's like, hey, when I was in jail, this dude wrote this down. Here you go. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So now they have these notes written by Adam to go along with the inmate testimony. So then, of course, they have Jeanette Brown, an FBI document examiner, testify that the handwriting on the notes that Witherspoon, Dameron, and Martis had all matched Adam's handwriting. Uh. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So they also had a Larry Smith testify that yeah i know adam drives very fast he always keeps his cars very clean um one of his car has a really large speaker in the trunk and it takes up a lot of space and that's actually the crown victorian okay Uh uh-huh and so he um were they maybe i'm jumping the gun because i know with some of our like the german cases that we did around 2007 they were able to kind of use some of the newer technology to find some dna Mm -hmm. No, they never found... Never anything like that? No, but it's possible that they were never searching the correct car. Gotcha. Because he drove... Everyone said that he drives this Crown Victoria, but he's and telling people, I was driving an Infinity that night. These are idiots. Yeah. I wasn't even driving... So okay. he had plenty of time to clean anything up, but they never... They didn't get a warrant for the Infinity. It was only the Crown Victoria. I was just curious because it was like right around that time right. where we might have right. seen some things advancing yep. and... No, but what's interesting is Larry Smith is like, hey, by the way, my uncle lives about 100 yards from where Julie Popovich's body was found. And Adam has been to my uncle's house at least twice in the past. So he's familiar with the area. Oh, see, I feel like everything's really adding up here. Yeah. He's like, also, I talked to Adam during the day on August 12th. And then that night we met at the racetrack that evening to race cars. He appeared normal, and he, as he did through the following weeks, he's like, I don't know. But he was familiar with the area, for sure. Isn't so, that a coincidence? Now that you've got some info on what the witnesses are saying, let's take a look at what Julie's body told the coroner. 
Dr. Jan Gornack from the coroner's office ruled Julie's death as a homicide, but she could not determine the immediate cause of death because the body was so decomposed. However, Dr. Gornack testified that medical history, the position of Julie's body when found, and the lack of signs of blunt force trauma or penetrating injuries suggested strangulation or smothering as the cause of death. Dr. Gornack answered questions about whether Julie suffered fatal injuries from her fall at the Lido, off the bar, uh-huh. and she testified that Julie did not have a fractured skull and that if she had died from a head injury, there would have been either a skull fracture or she would have been complaining of severe headache, dizziness, pain, nausea beforehand. Gotcha. And she, none of her friends, she was not saying any of that stuff to her friends. Adam later was like, oh, she was saying oh, yeah. her face hurt. Her face, not, you know, her head, but whatever. After the coroner testified, the prosecution rested and the defense was just like, Your Honor, we would like to declare a mistrial. The judge is like, denied. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> they tried. They, they tried. They did. So the defense has um, Mark and Nicholas, from the occupants from the duplex, testify they're both basically, their testimonies are like, yeah, we were hammered, and it's been a while since all this happened, so um, we do know that Chris Klein was, like, with our group drinking, and we were all really messed up, so, like, I yeah, I don't, we saw them together, they were dancing, they may have been kissing, we're not really sure, but um, Mark S., so that's where, like, Nicholas Kuhlman's like, yeah, that's what happened. Mark S. is like, yeah, yeah, also... I um I saw Adam leave the bar alone and he left approximately 30 to 45 minutes after Coleman left. So he's like, "Hold on. You saw him leave the bar alone, but he left after you? How'd you see him if you were already right. gone?" Right. So that was a little shady to me. Um he he did say that he saw Julie fall off the bar. Um he did ask Julie, how she was getting home. She said her boyfriend was going to pick her up and take her home. And she's like, yeah, after that, I didn't I didn't see him. I left at 2 a.m., 2.15. She's like, I was pretty intoxicated. I don't know what to tell you. Um, now, then there was friends Tiffany Fulgham and Charles Graves testified for Adam. Both admitted that they did not really see anything from the two of them interacting, and they admitted that their memory was sketchy because they'd been drinking and too much time had passed. So he's like, Graves is like, yeah, I went to the Lido with Adam, but there was no mention mention of what car he was really in. So I'm not sure. I'm sure they asked him that question. It just wasn't in the court records. I, I don't know. Christopher Klein, like I said, the guy that he was really trying to pin all of this on, he testified at, at his behalf. He's like, yeah, I saw him at 1.30 and, and I left the bar with him. He told him, he told me like they were outside. They didn't leave in, in terms of getting in the same vehicle, but he's like, I saw him outside. He said he was going home to pass out. He's like, I had had probably seven beers, but I was not beyond a reasonable mind at the time. He's like, I was absolutely clear. Adam did not leave the Lido with Julie. He drove a Crown Victorian. I saw it. Testifying on his behalf, but he didn't actually see him physically like get in the car and drive away. Gotcha. So he's just like, yeah, we walked outside together. I was leaving. He was driving a Crown Victorian. Now, this is where things get even more interesting because they have his mother testify for for him. His mother is Fadia Katib, and she testified that she worked at the R1 carryout when Adam came by the carryout between 9 and 9.30 on the evening of August 11th. 
And the man who operated the pizza shop next door asked him to go to the grocery store for plates. So after that, Adam went to a friend's house, as we now know is Mark and Nicholas's house. And then later they went to the Lido bar. His mom said that she called his phone around 1 a.m., but he did not answer. And then he came to the the carryout a short time later. Later. So that's where her work is. He came to her work short time later. He was not driving crazy. Mm-hmm. His mother said that he that she noticed a supercharger in the seat of his Crown Victoria. Now a supercharger gives added power to the car. A supercharger gives added power to the car. And she did not want Adam using it because he had ruined a lot of other cars with it in the past. She said that she smelled alcohol on his breath, took his car keys, and then walked, had Adam walk home, which was one block from the carryout station where she worked. She said that she went home around 2 a.m. and saw that Adam had vomited. So now she's like, he was home before 2 a.m. Okay, Adam actually said in several times that he didn't leave until 2 a.m. So he, she saw that he had vomited, so she went to a nearby coffee shop where she went almost every night after closing the carryout. She called Adam at 3.42 and 3.58 to see if he wanted a sandwich. Now, Adam answered the phone both times and spoke with her. She looked into Adam's room when she got home around 4 a.m. He was sleeping. She did admit that initially when she was first asked these questions right after Julie's disappearance, she did not tell investigators that she took that she took Adam's keys and that he was homesick at the time of Julie's disappearance. Likewise, she admitted that she also provided a different testimony to during the grand jury trial or during a grand jury trial. So she's changed her story. Mama's trying to cover for her baby, and I don't blame her one bit. Right. I get it. I mean, that but would be such a hard spot to be for as sure. a parent. I won't judge her because I've never been there and hope to God I never <sighs> am. Right. So Bruce Bennis is actually the guy who operated the pizza shop next door to the R1 carryout. Okay. So he said, yeah, on August 11th slash August 12th, I was outside of my shop selling pizza to people leaving the bars. Genius. Yeah. Way to go, Bruce Bennis. What a great idea. Yeah. He said he saw Adam and he asked Adam to go to the grocery store to buy paper plates and napkins. Okay, this occurred between 8.30 and 9.30. So this lines up with what his mom was saying. He showed up at the store to buy those items for the pizza guy next door. Cool. And then he said, um, pizza guy Bruce Bennis says, I saw him again between 1.30 and 2 a.m. And he was engaging in crazy driving. He was squealing his tires. He last saw him between 2 and 2.30 a.m. when his mother bought pizza for him. So yeah, so he's like, yeah. Um, you know, at the time that if you go over his mother's testimony, he was home. She got home at 2 a.m. and had saw that Adam was vomiting, had vomited, right? He was sick. But pizza guy is like, yeah, um, I saw him driving crazy between 2 and 2.30. And that was when his mom came over and bought a pizza for him. So that doesn't line up. Not quite. No. Not so much. Adam also got to testify for himself, which is unusual in a jury trial, a murder jury jury trial. But he did. He denied killing Julie or having anything to do with her disappearance. He testified that he had a ground a Crown Victoria on August in August two thousand and five, and he did not have access to any other cars. He said that due to his car speakers, he only has about a foot and a half of accessible room in his trunk. He testified that on on August eleventh and twelfth. 
Um, he left for the party at the duplex around 8 p.m. He went to his mother's carryout to tell her where he would be. He was at the party when Julie, excuse me, was at the party when he arrived at 9 p.m. He drank vodka at the party so that his mother would not be able to detect, to detect that he'd been drinking. He felt sober enough to drive to Lido's between 10.30 and 11. So he went to his mother's store on the way to pick up his ID and his bank cards so that he could get into the Lido. At the Lido, he drank beer and liquor. He mostly spent time with Ryan Flannery, Mark S., Klein, and Nicholas Kuhlman. He danced with Chloe Fritchen, whom he had been dating. Um, he said he may have been bobbing around, which I'm just picturing this dude. <laughs> you know, you're doing the I bobbing. Like, bobbing around. <laughs> you know, just like, yeah, okay. Just bobbing around. Yeah. He's no just, big deal. I'm just bobbing at him. That's, that is fine. So <laughs> <laughs> he's saying he may have bobbed around. With Julie. With yeah. Julie. He's like, I may have been bobbing around the same area. I just picture him like... Being you know, like, the weird guy hey. who comes up and grinds on you when you're dancing with your girlfriends and you're like, what are you doing? Yes. And you have yep. like the code word. Absolutely. And, uh-huh. and the eye contact. And then your friends strategically shift their yep. circle to, to block him out. For yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was probably right. that guy. The bob and block. The bob and block. I got it. So he's like, I did not dance with her one on one. I, I just bobbed. I bobbed. He actually says he had no more than a passing interaction with her, even though there were several other witnesses that were like, they we were talking all night. Yeah, yeah. Talking all night at the bar, dancing, kissing. What? He said, my mom wanted me home at 1 a.m., so he left the, the Lido bar between 1.20 and 1.30. He walked out with a group of friends. He went to his mother's store. He denied driving erratically in front of his mother's store. And so even though, you know, Bruce Bennis was outside and was like, yeah, he, he was driving erratically. Um, he said that Bruce Bennis was outside next door selling pizza and asked Adam to go to the grocery store to purchase napkins and plates. But that was supposedly earlier in the night. He's now saying this happened after he left Lido. Of course he is. And so his mother, um, he then's like, yeah, I drove to the grocery store to buy the requested items. My mom was unhappy that she spotted a supercharger on the backseat of the car, and she was also unhappy about smelling alcohol, so she took my keys and parked the car across the street. Then he's like, I took home a pizza, and at home I felt sick and I vomited. I went to bed. His mom later called him twice from a nearby cafe to see if he wanted her to bring him something to eat. He went to work the following day and the racetrack the next evening. However, on cross-examination, he could not at, like ascertain. He could not tell people why at 2.26 a.m. he checked his cell phone voicemail when he supposedly was home vomiting. Yeah. Because he testified that he took the pizza home, felt sick, and vomited, and he went to bed at 2.30. So you're homesick. Why are you checking your voicemail? Furthermore, you're passing out from alcohol and vomiting. You're answering your phone at 342 and 358. So he denied talking to his case about his case to any of the informants. But again, the informants did not have contact with each other. And their recollections were had information that was not known to public and that would have only been able to have come from Adam. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I think that they got their information from extensive news coverage, but... There's, there's problems with that. He did admit to meeting a woman who came to visit him with Martis. Because remember, Martis got out and he was like, hey, here's a note. When you get out, find a woman who will say she was with me that night. 
Like, please find someone who's willing to admit they slept with me. Okay? (laughs) To be my alibi. Please find someone who doesn't mind putting their whole life at risk to lie and say they slept with me that night. And when you see a picture of him, you're like, there's not enough money in the world. (laughs) So... um, uh, so he's like, yeah, I I didn't ask her. This is important, everyone. He, The woman that Martis brought, he says, I did not ask her to provide an alibi. I did not write notes. I did not. I did write a letter to Dameron, but he denied that the letter was meant to frame his friend Klein. Okay. So he, so they're basically like, so... Hey, um, you're denying all of this. He did admit to taking the GPS off his car once he discovered it, though. Well, so that there was we good, go. At least yep. he did. He did say uh, on cross examination, they're like, "So, hey, you're denying writing these letters, but what about that FBI examiner, examin, examiner Jeanette Brown? Is she just wrong?" Adam's like, "Yes, sir. That expert, that handwriting expert right there, that works for the FBI, totally wrong, wrong. totally wrong." So then. He's like, he also admitted, yeah, I never told police initially when they first interviewed me. I didn't tell them that I was homesick after the Lido and that my mom took my keys. And I I could not explain why I checked my voicemail when I was feeling ill and vomiting. So it's like, hey, remember that first interview? Like, why, why your stories keep changing, Adam? But here's the funny kicker, guys. Remember that girl that Martis was supposed to bring in? Well, I'm sorry to tell everybody, but... That was actually an undercover police officer. Oh. Caroline Castro. Oh, wouldn't wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? Caroline posed as Martis's girlfriend, Brandy Alexander, which the notes did specifically say indicated the Brandy plan. That's what it was called. Oh, wow. The Brandy plan. Okay. I can't. I just, I'm beside myself that he would think. He has a chance of finding someone to do this. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you don't know this guy. He's in jail, but I need you to cover for him yeah. and and say that you were they with him. They think they're kindred spirits, like they have something in common because they're both in jail. The fact of the matter is, Martis is probably not in jail for murder. So he's probably like, yeah, no, I was like robbing a convenience store. I mean, I don't know what this guy was in for. Right, right. But either way, he was willing to work with police to be like, yeah, he wants me to find a girl to bring him. So I'm going to, and the police are like, great. Why don't you tell him you're going to bring him this girl named Brandy? So they're corresponding. They're writing these letters. And he's like, yeah, stick to the Brandy plan. Gotcha. Well, the Brandy was Officer Caroline Castro. So she goes ahead and testifies that she met with, with Adam twice at the jail and spoke with him over the phone. And that Adam absolutely wanted her to provide a false alibi by claiming that they were together at the time of Julie's disappearance. Oh, my God. So when he's like, I didn't tell Martis that. I don't know what you're talking about. That's the, exactly what he under, sounds like. I'm sure I'm They're sure like, hey, yeah, but do you remember Brandy Alexander? Well, guess what? She's really Columbus police officer Caroline Castro, and she's a badass. I bet he soiled a little bit. Oh, there was leakage. After that. There was definitely something some leaked. anal leakage, too. One mm-hmm. of the orifices leaked, leaked at that moment. Yep. See, that's I a also, slam dunk for me. Like, right. That's there it. There you go. Like, you're trying to get people to provide a false alibi for, for sure. you. So the, and you're lying about it under oath yes. while you're testifying for yourself at this murder. Trial. I feel like just so many lies with yeah. this. Yeah. It, well, that's how it happens. They unravel. It was yep. slop job. Slop job. S- slop. Very sloppy Joe. See, it was very sloppy Joe. Slop, sloppy Joe. <laughs> so true. So 
I will throw in there, the defense did hire a private investigator. His name was like, I, it was such a... Something su- fancy. No, it was such a common name, actually, that I was like, <laughs> oh my God, that guy could be walking down my street in some New Balance shoes any moment. It was like Tom Bob or something. Okay. It was, yeah. So he's like testifying. He's like, there's no way that Adam's phone could have pinged off of those towers and him make it home by the time, you know, like he's just like, this couldn't happen. So then prosecution's like, cool. Tell me about how you did your investigation. Well, it turns out that Jim, Bob, Bobby, Joe, Tom guy. Basic Bob. Basic Bob and his white New Balances. Yeah, I drove one route from the Lido to where her body was to Adam's apartment during rush hour. And I drove the speed limit. (laughs) So there's no way the time frames match up with these towers. For sure. There couldn't have pinged. There was just, it was too close together. So they're like, hey, cool. Did you do it at like 3 a.m. going 100 miles an hour? And did you try different routes? No? Cool. Nice try, basic Bob. Yeah. Yep. Peace out. At the end of the day, through the jury, the jury found Adam Selah guilty of attempted rape, kidnapping, and tampering with evidence. He maintains his innocence. He's exhausted his appeals. And right now, the Innocence Project is in like a legal battle, which has also been rejected in court. But I don't want it to be confused with like the Innocence Project is not saying that Adam is innocent. They wanted what their legal battle is about is that they had requested a all of the reports from the investigation. But it doesn't have any of Adam's signatures on it. Like, they requested it as an organization. And so since the case is closed, they're like, no, he's exhausted all of his appeals. You don't have a right to these records because it, you only someone who is trying to overturn his conviction has a right to these records. And, and he doesn't, he's not requesting them. And he's exhausted his appeals. So, no. So, just just know there is, like, a legal battle there. It has been rejected thus far, the last thing that I could see. And, as I said, there was no mention of the Motown medium in the court records. But go ahead and Google Christy Robinson and you will see um, Julie Popovich's name pop up. Her most recent book is Embrace Your Empathy. She's got a lot published. Oh. And I'm going to give you a little snippet from her website. I believe it's christyrobison.com. For over two decades, I've been able to use my gift to bring healing, hope, and clarity to thousands of people around the world, sharing insight, wisdom, and eternal understanding. I've seen spirits since I was three years old, but it took some long and broken paths in life before I realized this was my purpose. I believe everyone has the ability to connect with the other side but life and grief has a way of hitting the mute button. I act as the sole coach to help bridge the connections. No crystal ball and no magic wand needed. I like it. So there, there it is. So she did draw. She did draw a map. That is where her body was. That's all I know, people. And so Adam is in prison. Adam is in. Adam is in prison. Adam was sentenced to 38 years to life in prison by the Franklin County Court. 38 years? Yep, 38 years to life. And how old was Adam? I didn't remember how old mm, he was. 20. He was 20? Same. Yep, okay. yep. He's going to spend his good years. It took the jury about a day to find him guilty. So that's well, how that was. Well, rest in peace, Julie. Yes. That's yep. so sad. So, so I don't know. You'll find information that, that Christy Robinette drew a map because Julie spirit presented to her are you ready for a delightful little brain bath i am 
I'm looking okay. forward to it. So I did this. This is just for you. I missed you when you were on vacation. Oh, and shucks. I, like, I better. First of all, I want to know why bitch took a vacation without <laughs> me. But whatever. Next time it's you and me. Oh, absolutely. Me I, and you. I will. Um, I will have words if it's not. I'm looking forward so, to planning one. So what I have found for you, because I know you love them. Love them. Oh, 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 oh. I have 25 of the funniest newspaper headlines of all time. Oh, my. That It's just the headlines, Amber. What a blessed week for me. You love funny newspaper headlines. I love headlines. It's one of my favorite things. It's what draws you in. It is. I'm just going to read for you funny headlines that people have legitimately wrote. I love it. This first one says, forecasters call for weather on Monday. Just some weather. <laughs> Just a little weather. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's like, enjoy <laughs> the weather on Monday while you have it, because the rest of the week could contain no atmosphere whatsoever. Guys, there's so going to be some weather. Atmosphere's okay. gone after that. So <laughs> Monday is all you get. There will be weather. There's weather coming your way. Also, I just wish that my job could be that easy. I wish I could just be like, weather people, astound- I love it. You could be totally wrong, and they're like, here's a paycheck. Oh, it's for fine. sure. It's totally well, fine. Why did I not go into I don't know. meteorology? True or- story. For many years, I wanted to be a meteorologist. Really? Yes. I had a cousin really into weather, and so I was always like listening to her talk about the cumulus clouds and stuff and the alto stratus, and I was like, wow. I don't know where it went wrong for me. I think it might have been when I developed an overreacting fear to thunderstorms. Like intense thunderstorms. I'm better now, but I was intently scared as a child. Because you're right. All they have to do is be like, there's going to be some weather coming your way. Hey, guys, no matter where you're listening from, Italy, do you hear me? Russia, are you there? Tomorrow, you're going to have weather. You're welcome. when they're wrong, they could just be like, well, the current shifted the weather. Right. Unexpectedly, our radar did not pick it up. It went to the zone. There's a 50% chance that you're going to have some weather. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't get the predicted weather, but there is was, other, weather other weather coming for your you. way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I need this job. I like that other weather. That's yes. just from now on when you're like, oh, it's supposed to rain today. No, nope, it's getting not. We're other getting weather. the other weather. <laughs> I love it. I mean, we so could just good. end on that. That was the best. <laughs> but I liked this one because, you know, I'm huge into sports. So here's this one. It says, amphibious pitcher makes debut. They meant amidextrous. <laughs> but which is so far off from the word That's amphibious. That I'm far like, off. what editor was drunk that day? <laughs> and, and approved it too. And approved like, it. We'll let that one. Went fly. through copy everything. They're like, um, Vendetti becomes first pitcher in 20 years to pitch with both arms. Cool. Also, if he's amphibious, I need some webbed feet tell me he has webbed feet now oh my gosh that's great the next one is cows lose their job as milk prices drop for the poor cows they're that's out cute. of work that one's cute yep. i like that um miracle cure kills fifth patient <laughs> oh shit now we're talking now we're talking it's like we're pretty sure you're confusing it well i'm sorry it says you may want to look up the definition of the word cure Yeah. Okay. Right. This next one. Man accused of killing lawyer receives a new attorney. Well, sure. But I'm not certain. How desperate are you to take that case? State state population to double by 2040. 
babies are to blame. Oh, my God. <laughs> cool. Oh, this one's the best. Maybe not the best, but it's great. Mississippi's literacy program shows improvement. Mississippi is spelled wrong. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It's missing the second set of S's. I love it. Not just one S. It is missing the second pair of twin S's. Yep. So it's just Mississippi. Mississippi. Mississippi Mississippi spelling program. (laughs) Mississippi's literacy program shows improvement, but obviously our editor and writer didn't take it. Editor cleared it. It's good. Correct. Breathing oxygen is linked to staying alive. (laughs) Awesome. Listen, I've been doing I've been doing something right. Yep. Damn it. We're winning. In every day when something goes wrong, be like, you know what? At least I'm breathing oxygen. Yep, we're staying alive with oxygen. Linked to staying alive. Didn't you know? That's the best. <laughs> no, I, I like this one because it sounds they like they just keep getting say. better. Police arrest everyone on February twenty second. <laughs> <laughs> just no, everyone. I will give that one credit because if I see that headline, I'm going in. Absolutely, I want to know what happened. Also, if I'm trying to get a report out, a news report out quickly, and I'm like, there are too many people to name. It's guess everyone. what? Everyone was arrested on February 22nd. I, I think that's a win because I, if I'm having my breakfast in the morning and I'm like, police, re- I read that, assuming yeah. right in. Absolutely. Stopping everything. This next one, though, too, Thursday is canceled. That's just all it says. <laughs> Thursday's canceled. That's, that's good. I like it. Cool. Does that mean it's Friday and we got there quicker? I'm for it, people. Oh. Yes. Bridge closure date, Thursday or October. <laughs> Every time I'm like, my favorite. Then you read another one. I'm like, nope, my favorite. Thursday or October. One of the two. We're not sure. We'll figure it out when we get there. (laughs) So good. I love it. Most earthquake damage is caused by shaking. (laughs) You don't say. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Um, (laughs) Federal agents raid gun shop and find weapons. No way. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Okay. You know, that this reminds me. <laughs> Sorry, I moved on to the Oh, no, one. please do. Please do. No, what did it remind well, me Well, I was just going to say, with the whole, this horrible Alec Baldwin thing going yes. on with the prop gun. Yes. There was an article that read something similar. It was like, uh, breaking news. Even though this has all come out, it was like, breaking news. It has been discovered that live bullets were used in prop gun. It's like... We yes. know that. Thank <laughs> Clearly you. live rounds were used. Someone was killed, which is right. horrible, you know. But I don't even think we need to make this breaking news. No, and that's what the, because of course I'm going mm-hmm. to the comments. Oh, yeah. You and gotta go to the comments. Yes, that's and so you and feed your soul That's someday. what people, <laughs> exactly what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Like, Thank you. Like, this is not breaking mm-hmm. news. Like, like, we you, know it was live rounds. So you forgot to find a story to post about today. So, so you're taking the you're, other yeah. news. And, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, safety meeting ends in accident. <laughs> that would happen to us. <laughs> we could never have one of those signs. I that's could never like train for zero, safety. No, zero <laughs> days since an accident. Safety meeting ends in accident. As a matter of fact, you were no. Remember when you were going through your um 
your body safety safety care yes oh yeah training a little while ago yours like I was scared you were gonna throw a hip out or something so I I can't believe I didn't the safety shuffle you could trip (laughs) (laughs) shuffle yes but I did I I nailed it with the safety shuffle (laughs) here's another one muddy creek problem it's too muddy (laughs) I want to write these these people are my heroes I love it Oh, no. Murderer says detective ruined his reputation. Oh, rude. Damn it. How disrespectful. My gosh, a convicted murderer has sued the detective who arrested him, saying the investigator ruined his good name in comments published in the Times News. Okay, he was a convicted murderer, though. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it's it. Like you literally did it, sir. I hate it when that happens. Reputation when my destroyed. Own, my own own actions ruin my reputation. Yes. Utah Poison Control Center reminds everyone not to take poison. <laughs> Thanks. Brilliant. Thank Brilliant. You. Thank you. That's <laughs> a reminder, helpful. everyone. Don't take poison. Stay away from the poison. Stay away from poison. I'm just going to start telling my kids that. From you should. Now. Hey, <laughs> yes. don't forget. Don't take poison. I'm going to tell that to Landon when he yes. goes to school. Hey, be careful. Stay away from the poison. Don't today, take okay? poison. You are going to experience some weather today, and I don't want you to take poison. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Bugs flying around with wings are flying bugs. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Students, oh, this could be too soon for us. Mm. Students cook and serve grandparents. Oh, God. (laughs) Yep. Too soon. (laughs) Too, Too soon. Yep. I thought I was past it, but I'm not. We really needed to reword that, guys. (laughs) It was Grandparents' Day, so students made a meal and served it to their 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 grandparents. Someone's grammar (laughs) was a little bit off. Cook and serve grandparents. (laughs) Oh no! The power of just adding a few words, a comma, semicolon. Yeah, very important. It's so important. Um, Alton (laughs) attorney. Okay. An Alton attorney accidentally sues himself. So he just switched the names wrong on the forms. <laughs> Me. I would I would do that. Not only the title, just the story itself. I love yeah. it so much. Accidentally sued himself. You know the Oops. court was probably like, um, are you You're sure? suing yourself. Are you sure you don't wanna I could see myself suing myself. Yeah. Like I could I'm do so that. annoyed with yes. you right now. Yeah. Um, hospitals resort to hiring doctors. Well, thank, thank the yep. Lord. It was an article about phy- uh, physician shortage, shortages prompting more administers to like hire more doctors, but that's how it, hospital resorts to hiring doctors. Wow. Good for them. A farmer using cannon to protect watermelons. Hmm. Now I'm in, I'm just intrigued. I'm assuming that he his watermelons were being stolen from what I can gather from this very blurry. So he was probably firing a warning. Yes, or just cannon. kept the cannons out there. I mean, if I see a cannon in someone's yard, I'm probably not going there. That's what I need for funny story. I have a cannon story. Okay, wasn't expecting us going here. Right. Did you ever think that I would have a cannon story no, in a million years? Never. So my grandfather, he has passed away, but he had a cannon. Um, it was like passed down from 
his, wow. you know. I feel like you should have your hair in a founding father's low <laughs> bun right now. Oh, my God. That's the only thing missing. <laughs> I do need a founding father's, like, wig or something on right now. Um, so he had a, a canon that's been in the family. It is still tradition that we fire the cannon. Now, we don't put anything in the cannon. I'm saying we, like, I've never fired it because I'm like, too much of a chicken. Tell me that you have. So they basically just, like, light it with some, like, dry grass or something. So there's nothing that's, like, right. actually firing okay. out of it right. that would nothing hurt someone. Nothing projecting. No. Okay. But it's just, like, you know, the grass flies out or whatever. Right. But the sound of that cannon it will like your soul leaves your really? body. It's, it's so intense. loud. It like oh. rumbles your whole you, existence. Are you going to inherit the cannons? I hope so. I'm going to call dibs on it. Get Harriet on the phone and ask her for the cannon. <laughs> so that's what made me think like if that man's protecting his watermelons with a cannon, I assure you, whoever hears that is running, running for the okay. high hills. Yes. <laughs> uh, now we know. Yeah, a, can- a canon story in there, too. Bonus brain bath. Never did I think we would tell the world about that. Yeah, but here you are. Here we are sharing so canon knowledge. stories. Number 23 is voters to vote on whether to vote. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Cool. Um, museums. <laughs> this Museums full of history. Oh. Yeah. Are you I sure it's not I never would have guessed that. Okay. Um, oh, Damn it. Goat accused of robbery. Yeah. They were holding him on suspicion of attempted armed rog- robbery. <gasps> this is the this is the case we did for a brain bath. Oh, I th- remember? Um where it it took place in uh oh gosh. Vigilantes. They thought it was black magic. Oh. Remember? Okay. I and think they so, yes. See one of our earlier episodes because we covered this as a brain bath. And they held the goat like for interrogation, right? Yes, because in their culture they believe that people can shape shift into animals and they saw a goat leaving yes. the scene and so they seized the goat and put him in jail waiting for the real person to transform back. I Eventually the goat this. was let go. Mm-hmm. I remember this. Yeah. Yes. That's a good one. Yes. So there you are, 25 of what bestlifeonline.com deems the most, the 25 funniest headlines. And I have to say, a lot of those were fantastic. And what I have to say after this is that I want this job. I want to do headlines. I I want to come up with these wonderful things. Cover these stories. We could start a whole spinoff podcast. Hire me. Just about writing our own Funny headlines. Oh, absolutely. News stories. Oh, gosh. Maybe that's what we should do. I think we just did it. Put a pin in that. Yes, I am pinning (laughs) it. Let's come back to that one. Those were so good. Thank you. And you now know that my grandfather had a cannon. If I hadn't given you this gift tonight, I never would have known of the cannon tradition. Fingers crossed that someday... You'll own said cannon. And they still, like, at the reunion, My it's usually like a cousin will get it out, still fire it. Love it. Sometimes they don't give notice, so literally, it'll oh, just, like, gosh. like they'll fire it and then just laugh and when everyone's yourself. like, oh. right. yeah, yeah. someone is going to soil linens. Absolutely. And drawers. When they hand out the depends first, you'll know it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> they should. It's just a party, or it's just like a door gift. And here's your diaper. Here and is. here's your diaper. Maybe they'll just come with, you know, full diaper next time. They've made them very cute. Very now, discreet. So you know, yes. They are. <laughs> just 
I love it. All right. Well, follow us on social media. If you want more of us, join us at crimecuriouspatreon.com. We have all different membership levels. You get more. Each level gets you more and more of us if you if you're into that. Sort yeah. Of thing. After all of these wonderful things we've shared. Yes. And join us on Thursday for our my next case that I'm covering. Move over Miss Cleo. Yes, move over Miss Cleo because we got another one coming in hot. Yes. So, all right, until then, everybody, keep it curious. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>